Welcome to the Faith Dialogue Podcast with your host, Pastor Ken Baer. Are you ready to swim in the deep end of the Bible pool or climb to the top of Faith Mountain? If so, open the eyes that see, those ears that hear, and a heart that is receptive. Get your cup of coffee and your Bible as we begin. So let's pray and uh, we'll get right into it and see where we go. Father God, we want to thank you, Lord. You are so good to us. We thank you that we can get together like this. We love discussing the parables, the, the letters in red in our Bibles, the word, letters of Jesus, the words of Jesus. So Lord, we thank you for that. We thank you that you're always with us and that you give us wisdom and encouragement and as we fellowship together. And we give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen. So today, if you notice on your sheet, I, put, I printed it in like 16-point type because there weren't a lot of words. Okay, that's like when I was in, in school, we had to write term papers, remember term papers? And it had to be five pages typed, you know? And I would get the biggest type I could, and I'd make the biggest margins I could, you know? And double space it, you know? And <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, that happened a, happened a few times. But, but, you know, sometimes I have many words, and sometimes I have few words. The same thing with Jesus. Jesus spoke in parables, and sometimes he used many words, and sometimes it was a short parable. But all of them are significant, and all of them we can learn from. So today's parable is out of Luke 15. It, uh, it begins in verse 8, so I'll read it to you. It says, or, meaning that he's starting another topic. He told us one before. Now he's telling us something different. Or, what woman, having ten silver coins, if she loses one coin, does not light a lamp, sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it. And when she has found it, she calls her friends and neighbors together saying, rejoice with me for I have found the peace which I lost. Likewise, I say to you, there is more, or there is joy in the presence of the angels of God when over one sinner that repents. So if you remember last week, we said that we were getting into a, a, a triplet, a, a group of three parables that all are in response to something that happens at the very beginning of the chapter. Um, and at the very beginning of the chapter, this is what it says in chapter, in chapter 15, verse 1. It says, Then all of the tax collectors and the sinners drew near to him, Jesus, to hear him. And the Pharisees and the scribes complained, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. So he spoke this parable to them, saying. And remember, one of the things that I talk about often, and I'll continue to talk about often, is the whole idea of context. That when you read these parables, when you read something in the Bible, you always wanna say, well, what's the context? What, what is the context? We wanna do things that are in context and not out of context. We, this is a response to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Now, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, or, I'm sorry, the Pharisees and the, and the scribes, typically, does Jesus paint them in a good light or a bad light? Oh. A bad light, right? Jesus usually doesn't have a lot to say good about the Pharisees. You know, you hear like, woe to you Pharisees, woe to you Sadducees, you know. You, you, this is what these Pharisees do, or he'll tell the disciples, don't be like the Pharisees. Don't be that way. <laughs> We're mumbling over here. Well, the side conversation is the difference between the Pharisees and the... Seven years, 
seven years of seminary, 38 years of ministry, and Hal has the teaching on sad you see. <laughs> and and the and the reason I the reason I, I talk about context all the time is because because quite frankly as as a uh, as a pastor um, I always want to try to give a biblical lesson as close as possible to something that is what the, the scripture is meaning. Uh, I mean we can remember I told you in, in parables typically I, what I teach is that there's really only one meaning. It's like if you go if you if you Talk to the artist that paints a picture or an author of a poem, and you say, what, what were you talking about? You, they'll tell you what the meaning is, why they were, what was the, what was the symbolism that they were using? Why, why is this lightning streak in there? What does that symbolize? And they'll tell you. Now, those of us that don't have the opportunity to talk to the author or the artist, we could get a lot of benefit from it. To us, it can mean different things. It could remind us of home. It could remind us of a town. It could remind us of our love for our for our husband or our wife. There's there's all kinds of there's all kinds of ancillary benefits you can get from the parables as well. There's a lot of good things we talked about. For example, the parable of the Good Samaritan, and I teach that this parable of the Good Samaritan is given in response to the question, "Then who is my neighbor?" But Jesus is painting the a picture. Uh, he's setting the bar so high that literally the only person that could fulfill that type of calling of being the Good Samaritan is none other than Jesus. Jesus is the one that gave it all. Jesus is the one that went way beyond what he needed to do in order to provide for this, for this, uh, for this, this person that was done. So Jesus was the Good Samaritan. But that doesn't mean that there's not a lot of applications for it. The applications are numerous. I mean, try to be good to your neighbor. Try to extend the helping hand. If somebody's in trouble, even if they're a stranger, even if they're of a different race or of a different religion, go ahead and, and help them. Those are, those are applications. Well, what's, what's, and the reason, again, I do this is because so often we get it wrong. And, and I hate to make fun of other Bible preachers, but sometimes it's just fun to. It's, it's just fun to. So, for example, in this one, as, as you know, what I, what I do is I, I, I'll Take a look online. It's easy now online. Used to be, remember Pastor Hal, we had Bible libraries. We had pastor's libraries. And we'd have all these different books. And you'd be putting together a sermon and you'd, you'd grab five or six big books and pile them up on the desk and kind of go through them, remember, and, and try to write your notes and stuff like that. Well, today, it's, it's quite easy because you can use your cell phone. You can literally have all of that and even more on the cell phone and, and be able to search based on topics. So it's, oh, it's, it's wonderful. It's, it's wonderful. It saves you hundreds of hours. So I do that on a regular basis. I'm, I'm searching. And it isn't that it's difficult. It's actually quite easy. And I have to laugh because on this very parable, remember, we're going to take a look at this woman that loses one of the 10 coins. And she's a little frantic. You can even actually see how it's done. It says, it says, she does not, she lights the lamp, she sweeps the house and searches carefully until she finds it. I remember my grandmother doing that. She, she, my grandfather was always losing things, always losing his glasses. They'd be on his head, okay? And he'd lose his glasses. His keys would be in his pocket, but he's looking for his keys. And my grandmother would be frantic because she always wanted to help my grand, my grandmother always wanted to help my grandfather. And she would do that. She'd turn all the lights on in the house and she'd methodically just kind of, and she'd walk around with her hands going up and down in the air or, she put her hands on her hips and kind of walked through the house. And so I, could, I see this picture of my grandmother 
constantly. You know, when, yeah. And your granddad is just sitting there. <laughs> but exactly. So, so this is the picture I see. So this is the story. So this is what we're going to try to get the meaning for. And like I said, sometimes I have to make fun of some of these commentaries because here's, here's, here's two approaches to this commentary. The 10 pieces of silver represent all of the truths necessary in our spiritual life and development. One of these truths is the truth that all knowledge of God and all spiritual things is from revelation. And we have to seek hard to find it. My goodness. How did they get that out of there? This is the other one. The 10 pieces of silver represent the 10 commandments. And we should be examining ourselves daily to ensure that we don't lose any and are diligent to find the one that we need to keep. Oh. Isn't that something? Now, that's a person that probably has more Bible degrees than I do. But, but that's, that's their... With five dollars, you can get any Bible degrees. So that's why, that's why context is, is key. That's why context is key. And the context of this is Jesus is reprimanding the Sadducees and the, the Pharisees and the scribes because they don't care about the sinner. They have no regard for the sinner. They, they are more concerned about the spiritual law and their ability to keep it and how good they are. And they look down their nose at all the other people. So they have have no care for sinners. And, and we know this because it says then, the first words are then all of the tax collectors and the sinners draw near to Jesus. Jesus was a friend of sinners. Jesus had the ability to embrace the people from the other side of the track, right? People from the other side of the track. Now, you know, as a parent, as a grandparent, I want my kids to hang around with the right element, not the bad element, right? Uh, when my son started dating, I wanted him to date the right girls, right? <laughs> the nice girls, okay? That wouldn't lead him down the wrong path. We want, we want our kids and ourselves, when we move into a new neighborhood, we try to live in the, in the best neighborhood. But, but we do that for, for certain reasons, okay? However, we want to have a heart, a heart for people that don't have the benefits of what we have. And when and we see, when we see a sinner, when we see somebody that's struggling, well, God bless them. I mean, there's, there's, there's something that's missing in their life, and we can point them to what is missing. And as a, as, a, as a person of faith, our job is to go and to seek and to save those that are lost. That's, our, that's the Great Commission, right? When Jesus, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, he gave us what's called the Great Commission. And he said, go, therefore, and make disciples of all na nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all the things that I've taught you. So J Jesus is, is telling the church to go and, and to, to find the sinners and to, to embrace them. We, we have to be very careful that we aren't so proud and so arrogant ourselves that we don't have any care or any concern. So like I said, this, this, this parable is, is relatively simple when you understand the context, but there's still a lot in it. I don't want to miss it. I don't want to miss it at all. So um, it, says, it says, what woman having 10 silver coins if she loses one coin? Now, remember the previous parable was about the lost sheep. And how many sheep were there? There were 99 and one was lost. 100 sheep, right? So there was one lost sheep, okay? And the shepherd 
the shepherd went and found it, right? Wanted to go out and he, was, he rejoiced and he found the sheep and he put it on his, on his shoulders and, and said, look, I've, I found the one that was lost. This is a woman that had 10 coins and loses one. She's lost one-tenth of it, okay? One-tenth of it. So, so it's actually, a, actually, from her perspective, even a, a bigger loss. The 10, 10 silver coins, by the way, are, are probably um, not, not a great amount of money. I guess it all depends on how much money you have. But, it, but if this is all she had, regardless of whether it was only two days' wages or a week's wages or a year's wages, and it depends on who you read and what you write into it, it was still what she had. She had 10 coins. It doesn't say she had 100 coins and had 10 over on the shelf and lost one. It says she had 10. So this is, she lost a, a big piece of it. And I, and I like that. It, 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 it shows that the one that is lost is still important to God. Still important to God. Every, every soul. Have you, ever, have you ever noticed on, um, on, on shows or movies about um, uh, uh, navigate, uh, uh, nautical disasters? And, and airlines are the same way. That when, when a ship goes down, they report how many souls on board. And I love that. How many souls on board? You know, five souls. When, you're, when I was watching a show the other day and there was a mayday, a mayday from a ship. And they were trying to get other ships in the area to come and rescue them and help them. And the comment they said is, we have two souls on board. Two souls on board, meaning there was a pilot and, and, a, and a crew member or a family member, something like that. Two souls. And we need to think of it that way. We need to think of these, these people, these sinners, these people that are lost. And, they may, and we may know them very well, right? They might not be people on the other side of the track that are nameless. They might be people within our own family. They might be our kids. They might be our grandkids. They're lost. So, our, so everything we can do is, is to be able to go and see if we can find them and help them and encourage them. But do you have to be trained to help them and find them? That's a good question. So the question is, do you, do you need training to be able to do that? Well, training helps. I mean, it, it definitely helps. If you're going to... If you're going to be on the ski patrol and you're going to go and, and be able to rescue skiers, yeah, you ought to know how to ski and how to get there and know some ideas of first aid and stuff like that. But in the Bible, we're given a lot of stories of people that had relatively little knowledge or hardly any training, but were great witnesses for Jesus. There was, there was a blind man that was blind, and he says, and they said, you know, <laughs> tell us right now that man was a sinner and he says whether he's a sinner I don't know all I know is this I once was blind and now I see okay and and that's a testimony the woman at the well the woman at the well was arguing with Jesus one moment about you know who was correct whether the whether the Jews were correct you know or the Samaritans were correct in their interpretation of religion and where you could worship and she's arguing with Jesus in one moment so the next moment, she's telling the village, she's running back to the village and telling them that this has got to be the Messiah. So sometimes all you need to do is just tell them what you know. Yeah, that's good. I love, I love, I love that, Hal. I also, and I'm reminded also of the story of the calling of the disciples, and it's Andrew that said, well, come and see. Just, just come and see. One of, the, one of the things we did in our church back in Nashville is every single... Uh, after every single service, 
we were we were a church that really tried to to seek out the community and try to get people to bring other people and we tell them like look look around you is there an empty chair okay if there's an empty chair you fill it Come, bring somebody next week okay and what i would tell them is this is i said here's the thing here's the thing he's i why do we want you to bring people to church okay and and here it is and it's kind of unexplained and it's really not even anything in the scripture i can point to except that something happens here. There's something that happens here. People come in and they hear the gospel and there's nothing really special about the gospel being presented here, except it's presented. And people hear the gospel and their lives change. So we want you to bring people. You know, you can give them a book, you can give them a track, you can send them to the website, you know, you can learn all kinds of things to tell them and be able to tell them probably in a better way than the pastor could. But come and see. Come and see. So that's, that's part of it as well. Now, that being the case, I want to make sure that we understand the true context of this. It's Jesus that's doing the seeking. Remember when we talked about the shepherd, the sheep was, the, the, the sheep was lost. He didn't even know he was lost, right? He just, he's doing what sheep do. He's just walking around and stuff like that, right? He's just, he's just lost. It's the shepherd that does the seeking. The, the, the sheep wasn't doing the seeking. The coin wasn't trying to be found. It's the woman, my grandmother, turning on the lights and running around in a scurry and sweeping the floors and looking under everything. It's, it's Jesus that does the seeking. Jesus is the one that is seeking to save those that are lost. But the point that is also made is that when Jesus finds the sinner, when Jesus finds the coin, when the woman finds the coin, there's rejoicing. There's rejoicing. This is, this is, this is wonderful. It says, it said, there'll be more, I say to you that likewise, there will be more joy in heaven than over one sinner who repents then over 99 persons who need no repentance, that's the, that's the parable of the lost sheep. Likewise, verse 10 in the lost coin, likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, and it's interesting, Hal, that for me, it seems like this is so clear on, on what this is talking about. And at the same time, as, as I, was, I was showing these other commentaries, it's just interesting how offbeat sometimes people yeah. get. No, that's that's a great question. I mean, and I think it's 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 worthy. Of, that's a good question. The question is, if, if Jesus is doing the seeking, then why do we try to do it ourselves? Well, the Bible says that we're the body of Christ. We're the body of Christ. We're the visible representation of Christ on the earth. So you can think of yourself as being the hands and feet of Jesus. You're you're doing the work. It's just that when when you go and find somebody and you have this miraculous change in that person's life, the credit goes to God. It's, 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 God that, it's God that did the work, so we don't want to pat ourselves on the back too much. We're just, we're just doing what we're supposed to do. You know, that's, that's why Jesus said in the, in the Great Commission, go and make disciples. Now, I can't physically make somebody a disciple. I can't, I can't do that. Only God can really do that. But I can present the gospel to them. I can present the gospel to them. I can share the gospel with them. I can pray with them. But it's really that God is the one that's going to be doing the changing. So that's what it means when we seek someone else's, what you just said about praying with them, 
Right. Sharing. That's what we do. Right. Seeking the lost is basically that. It's 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 what we are supposed to be doing as Christians, um, sharing with our neighbors, encouraging our neighbors, being a witness to them. God. God is the one that's doing the work. Yeah. Which is which is great joy for us because what that means is that that we're not going to take credit. Okay. We're not going to take credit when we get the victory, but at the same time. It's not on us when we lose one either. Not on us when we lose one. Okay? We can do what we can, but when they're lost, I couldn't have done it anyway. So so it, it comes both ways. We don't want to take we don't want to take credit. At the same time, we're not gonna we're gonna we're not gonna be admonished when we've we've lost. Because quite frankly, if if you think it's a if it's up to you to get your family safe, can you imagine some couple that have five or six kids and then they end up having like each kid has a few kids they got 10 12 15 20 grandchildren and you're trying to figure it's up to you to be able to make sure that all of those kids are living the right kind of life and following god that's oh my god it would drive you it would drive you crazy i have a neighbor uh, that's a it's a great picture it really is well let's go ahead and, and pray and then we'll, next week we're going to look at the third of the three parables and uh, that's the lost son, also known as the prodigal son. So it'll be fun. So let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you uh, for who you are. We thank you for this study. We thank you, Lord, for the fellowship, the questions. We just You've been you listening to Faith Dialogue with Pastor Ken Baer, recorded live at Celebrate Seniors, a ministry of Faith Dialogue. You can listen to or watch all of the recordings at Faith Dialogue by going to www.faithdialogue.org.